0: Okay, so uh, we're going to talk about a very flaky friend and the basics of creativity. Now, you guys might be lucky that you're not at the age yet where you have delusional friends. This usually is like something that comes with adulthood. So like a delusional friend is like someone, uh, like I know someone that didn't exercise at all, um, was completely sedentary and overweight, and uh, just ate pasta, all day long. And I'm talking to him, and he's like, I've decided I'm gonna, so he's in Rhode Island. He says, I've decided I'm gonna run the Boston Marathon. And I was like, wow, all right, awesome, because that is awesome. But he was like, in four months. Now he doesn't exercise in any way, shape, or form. And I was like, oh, well, um, we've been doing this, like, this app called Couch to 5K that kind of trains you up to run a 5K in, over two months or something, not a marathon in four months. And I was and it's like, it's awesome. And it's like, it's, it, it, it works really well for kind of getting you in the practice of running. And he was like, it's like, oh, no, no. I mean, I got to get up to 26 miles. I was just like, uh, dude, like, have you run around the block yet? And he's like, no, no, I haven't had time. I'm like, OK, and you're trying to be cool, because I want him to run a marathon. But he's like completely delusional. And on top of that, he's like self sabotaging. Because rather than just do the thing that's like super difficult, even though it's physically easy, which is like put on any pair of crappy sneakers, like you see people running at the like Y and Converse All Stars, like ankle destroying sneakers, right? Like just put on a pair of sneakers and just run around the block once, two days in a row, and then take a day off, and then do that for two more days. You know what I mean? Like, Anyone who started trying to run knows it is not as easy as I get up and run five miles. Um, so, so he's completely delusional, and he's like self-sabotaging. There's no way he can run a marathon if he doesn't get up and start doing this very simple thing that requires no research at all. Um, the other example, like especially as you're older, is people who um they don't save any money. Like, they don't have a savings account, and their logic is, well, I just need to get my finances figured out, but, like, it's not worth it for me to save the, whatever, 0.5% or interest you get with a crappy savings account. So their answer to that is to do absolutely nothing. Uh, Total insanity, because, like, how are you going to get around to suddenly being, like, I'm super on top of it, and I'm investing over here and investing over here. If you can't be bothered to do just, like, the easiest thing in the world, which is, like, get a check, however much it's for, and take like 1% of it and put it aside and don't spend it on pizza and coffee and cocaine. So uh, so like that's like delusional. And uh, one of the things we're going to talk about today is like like the really fundamental approach to being able to come up with ideas. It nothing in here is going to shock anyone or be like, oh, that's an innovative plan, it's like it's the 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 bare bones basics, but I can say that after teaching for how oh, long have I been teaching? Eight years now. Uh, I can tell the people who do like the most basic elements of like keeping their creative muscles working, uh, and the people that don't. It's like so unbelievably obvious. Um, and one of the things is like you don't hear this as much with people that are like in art but we all kind of fundamentally feel it where we're like like we do what we do but we don't think we're creative like does anyone in the room honestly think like oh man i'm super creative or do you just make stuff like i just make stuff i don't sit around being like it's sick how creative i am it's like just amazing or if i did it would be to delude myself into like a sort of higher state but like for energy level but or like to go into a meeting but like in general i don't sit at home and go, I feel like doing something creative. I go like, I need to make this poster for this thing. Or I feel like making this. Or I feel like recording a podcast. I don't sit around and think like, what's the most creative use of my time? Like, if I met someone like that, I think I would hate them. I've never met anyone like that. So like, that's not how people operate. But people who don't do creative stuff, they think that's how we operate. And they go like, oh, I could never do that. I'm not creative at all. And you're like, I, I doubt that. I'm sure you do something somewhere that's creative, even if it's come up with creative excuses why you need to watch TV instead of doing something else. So this is like really basic levels of it. And I already apologize that I've made you stare at the slide for like five minutes now. So we're going to move on. But what we're going to talk about right now is like how not to delude ourselves Four things that we can do that will immediately impact your creativity they're super obvious and there's no excuse for not doing them. Um, and if you suffer from any kind of like anxiety or ADHD, as I do, uh, these will be extra helpful. Okay, so you have a flaky friend that promises to take care of everything always. Like you're like, yo, I need to do this. And your friend is like, I can handle it, or I need to plan a surprise party for my mom. And your flaky friend is like, you know what? Don't worry about it. I got it. And then they always get it all wrong. So it's either late, like they forgot about the surprise party until the night before. And they're in this like, scramble to get it handled. It's screwed up. Like the surprise party is planned, but no one is invited. Or it's for the wrong person. Or it's not done at all. It's just like, oops, I forgot. This friend is your brain. Your brain sucks. Okay? Your brain is so bad at brain stuff, it's mind blowing. So your brain means well, but it is super selfish. Like, your brain does not want to expend energy on your behalf. Your brain only expends energy if it thinks the payoff is going to be immediately pleasurable. So your brain will expend a ton of energy, like if you're a drug addict, your brain is totally down with coming up with creative ways for you to procure drugs. Dangerous ways that are immediately harmful to your body. Your brain is like, yeah, we'll do it. Like, uh, let's meet this creepy person on a Craigslist at their motel. That can't possibly go wrong. Um, so, like, that's the kind of stuff your brain does. Your brain, like, here's, like, what my brain does. I have a check in my pocket for, let's see how much money it's for. Let's, like, make this as embarrassing as possible. $933. A check in my pocket for $933. That's my rent. It is dated June 30th. So for two weeks, this check has been in my pocket. Now, I drive by the bank like four times a day. There is a bank near where I work. There's a bank near my house. There's a bank near the school. There's Wells Fargo banks everywhere. And this check is still sitting there. Because my brain is like, sitting in, that, sitting in the ATM line, it's going to be really boring. And then it's super boring, and you're not going to enjoy it. The same brain that this morning was plotting with 12 minutes to get here, can you make it to Starbucks get a nice coffee. Can you pull that off? I think that you can. I think you can. And you're like, I don't know, but I'll be late to my very first class and set a terrible example. My brain is still like, yeah, but think about that iced coffee. <laughs> that shit is going to be good. So like, that's what your brain does. Like Everybody knows this. And there's just levels of it, right? Like Some of us are able to train our brain really well where it recognizes the potential problems of not expending energy at appropriate moments. So like, My wife would not walk around with a check in her pocket for two weeks. Her brain will screw something else up, but it won't screw that up. It would just be like, this is a check in my pocket. I'm gonna have money. I'm gonna go put it in the bank, it's gonna be awesome. But not my brain. My brain is like, eh, whatever, it's a pain in the ass. Cause that's like my ADD brain. And like, and our brains like all work differently, right? Like some of us, our brain is like off enough that we need like to adjust everything about our life to deal with the brain. Or we need medications to get the brain to stop being as stupid as it's being. But on some level, we all have a dumb brain that wants to spend no energy. Cause it just wants to have fun or do nothing. And it's, like, not a judgment. It's, like, completely true of the whole room. Um, So some examples. These are things that your brain will do wrong in the next three weeks. So you're here, and you've decided, you know what? I feel like I'm slumping in the afternoon. It would be good to have some protein and fat in the afternoon. I'm going to buy some mixed nuts when we go to Target. But you don't write it down because your brain is like, ah, it's a pain in the ass to write that down. Don't write that down. Why would you write that down? Doodle, but don't write that down so you don't write it down. And you go to Target, and if your brain is this awesome computer machine, don't you think it would see the Target logo and be like, Mixed Nuts, sweet, we're here? Because your brain convinced you you didn't need to write it down. It would totally remember when you were there. Instead, your brain says, let's go to the look for weirdo Oreo flavors that are on sale at the front of the store, like the watermelon ones, or like Fourth of July confetti ones. Uh, And it will completely forget about the Mixed Nuts until you're at some point where you cannot possibly go get the Mixed Nuts. Maybe you're driving away from the target. Maybe it's at that exact moment that you thought, oh, man, if I had those mixed nuts right now, that would be awesome, why did I forget about that? But your brain never remembers anything at the right time. It's horrible. Uh, Here's a good one. Like, you get into your dorm, and you decide to leave your keys on the couch, even though you have a spot to put your keys. Like, there's a spot. It's right there. And your brain is like, "Eh, yes, toss them on the couch. You won't forget about that, and they'll be right on the couch. You'll see them in the morning. (laughs) You throw them on the couch, and then probably what happens, is you sit down on the couch and they fall into the cracks of the couch, right? Or like if you're like me, like I lost a pair of underwear the other day. I like went, so my brain's super lazy. I went downstairs to the dryer, all this laundry. And I was like, I will grab one pair of underwear just for tomorrow. I'm not going to grab all the underwear or all the clothes. I'm just going to grab this one pair. And I bring up the underwear and I have two small children, one of which is one. So the first thing she does is get out of bed and look for anything that is not a toy, grab that, and just run around the house with it. So I get up 45 minutes later, underwear gone. I have no idea where it is. It's not hard to go back down to the basement to get more, but I'm super annoyed because I have to expend more energy. And I'd already handled this. But I could have brought all the underwear up with me. And while I was going to bed, open the drawer and put the underwear away. But I made up some weird excuse about, like, oh, you'll wake everyone up. So stupid, all right? So you decide to leave the keys on the couch. And the next morning, your brain swears that you left them in that basket by the door. Your brain is, like, convinced, like, why would I leave them on the couch? That doesn't make any sense. Your brain is like a horrible friend. Uh, you won't write down the details of your homework because it will totally remember, right? Yeah. Everybody knows yes. this one. We all do this. Um, or like, like, for me, it's like client meetings where, so, where you'll, have the, it's like you'll have the presentation deck that you show the client, and they'll give you some comments, and the comments are so obvious that you're like, nah, that'll make sense. I don't need to write that down. And of course, three, like you don't get to work on the thing the next 10 minutes. You pick it up three days later, and you're like, I know that there was something about this version that they liked, but God, I wish I knew what it was. Just, and then you start having to ask people, hey, do you remember? My notes are kind of vague on this point. And you start like lying and saying dumb shit. Um, so then the next day, you're in a state of shock. Your brain is in a state of shock that it embarrassed you by forgetting this simple but critical detail. Those are like things we we'll all do, right? Unless we're like the most organized people in the world, which I don't believe by anyone is. So your brain is just like the worst friend. Like it encourages distraction, addiction. Your brain actively encourages you to be addicted to things addicted to caffeine, addicted to my phone. Like, how many times have you sat there? Like, so here's what I do. I read about cults, because I love cults. Uh, I like to give myself just bad dreams all the time. So what I will do is I will sit there, hunched over, in like a weird, like I'll load the dishwasher, reading about Charlie Manson, putting the dishes away. It takes like a year to put the dishes away, because I'm reading about this horrible thing the whole time. My neck is all screwed up, and the whole time I know, just put the phone down, man. And my brain is like, nope. We're not putting the phone down. We are not putting the fucking phone down. Right? Keep the phone. So procrastination. Uh, all of that is a form of self-sabotage. Like, it encourages negativity. Like, I was talking about this with people last night, about how I routinely, I used to be a perfectionist, and now I routinely let projects go out the door where I haven't resolved some area of it. Now, like, that probably sounds counterintuitive and weird to be like, like I kind of tried to figure it out. It didn't work. I don't care. It's going to the printer. Uh, it used to be that I would beat myself up about that. And I'd get the thing back and would be like, well, this isn't a portfolio piece because that area sucks. So I'm a graphic designer. And like, So there's like weird little spots that don't work out sometimes. Uh, and then one day I realized that all the work in the world I like has something about it I don't like, right? There's movies with endings that suck, but the movie's so good I overlook the ending. Or there's um, there's songs with terrible verses or there's like like a fantastic song with a horrible like emo part jammed in the middle. Uh, I don't go like, well fuck that song. I'm never listening to it again. I just go like, oh it's unfortunate. I just treat my work the same way. I pretend like someone else made it. And I'm like, eh, that spot's awkward, whatever. It's still good. It's just, it's not amazing in every single spot. It's just, like, mostly good. Uh, but my brain, what it wants to do is be like, no, that's not good. You should feel terrible about that. You're horrible. You should quit. You should become a used car salesman. Like, you should do something else. You're, you're awful at all of this. And, all of it, and why are you doing this thing that's so hard for us to do? Like, this ambiguous, vague process of arranging elements in such a way that they communicate and have an internal logic. Why can't we do normal person stuff like go to an author? from nine to five. Why do you have to do this bullshit? So that's like my brain or your brain. So basically I would say your brain is bad at brain stuff. All the things that we think in theory our brain should be awesome at. It's mostly terrible at. Um, It's like if you had a computer that would only, well it's like if you had a computer in the 60s and it only works if all the information is somewhere else and all the computer has to do is like make connections. Um, You know like if your phone, if you actually had to have two phones, one had all the data and like this one was like Here, I would use the app here to talk to the data here to to manipulate it to give me an answer. It's like your brain is like missing this huge chunk of what it needs. But that's in general, because your brain, your flaky friend can be awesome if you adapt to it. uh, because it will make connections. So a, a thing to think about, right? It's like um, how often do you try to think through an idea and you just find yourself tired and without resolution? But You do like the stupidest brainstorming exercise, just like making a list of 10 ways to deal with the problem. Or um, like the way I plan classes is I take a piece of paper, I write the date, and I just take a bunch of post-its. And I write down like, okay, we need to do this, this, and this. And then I just start moving them around. And all of a sudden, in like 30 minutes, I can figure out the 15 weeks of a semester. But if I try to do that, just sitting there thinking like Sherlock Holmes style. That's not gonna happen. All that's gonna happen is I'm gonna be tired and be like, well, I really gotta figure this out. And and my brain is gonna be like, dude, that was stressful. Don't think about that again. Wait till the night before and just stay up till three in the morning when there's like no other choice. But if you like do the right stuff, your brain is like makes connections. That's the most powerful thing that it does. And like ultimately anything that's creative is ultimately about making a connection like point A to point B, concept X to concept Y. Okay. So these are my, I thought it was four, but I did this at one in the morning, so now it's five. And here's a good example. The whole week before this, so I would like have a normal job, and I teach on top of this, I, um, every night I was like, My brain did not want to deal with this class. My brain wanted to watch It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia, like three or four episodes each night. Or it wanted to watch a very grim movie and then follow that with one or two episodes, like a a It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia chaser. Like, ah, I feel so much better now. Now I can stay up till three in the morning not doing what I need to do, Uh, reading about Charles Manson while putting the dishes away. Okay, so we're going to do the five really basic foundational fixes for improved creativity. Now. Okay, so none of this stuff, like you don't have to do anything special. You could do this immediately. Okay, one, dump your brain. So anyone who suffers from like some level of anxiety about like project management or getting stuff done, like if you have a hard time getting homework done, which I totally did, I'm a high school dropout. I should point out. So, like, that's how hard a time I had getting things done, and how bad my anxiety about people is. I just, I didn't even drop out. They disenrolled me. It was very polite of them. Um, but uh, I just like, I couldn't handle it. So whatever. Uh, but if you have any of those problems, you know the power of when someone sits down with you and just goes like, okay, okay, what do you need to do? And you start writing it down. And some of it is so much simpler than you thought. Like, oh. I need to drive by Wells Fargo and deposit that check. That is actually not nearly as bad as I thought it was. Like, it's a very simple process. It will take a minute. Um, and some of it turns out to be way more complex than you thought. Like, writing the paper that you need to write um, means that you have to go and do research. There's no such thing as like, just having to go write the thing. You have to actually go and read some stuff first. And while you're reading it, you should probably bring some index cards and make some notes. And um, and you realize, shit, I don't actually know when the library is open. So actually, the first step is find out when the library is open. So all of a sudden, like, there's all these steps. But once you have a clear picture of it, you kind of calm down a bit, right? Because all of a sudden, you're like, that's a lot to do. But I, I'm able to look at it. And I'm able to go, you know what? I can't do this thing that I promised someone I'm going to do. Like, sorry, not happening. Um, I can't do that. Well, for me, it's like, I, I can't do this thing for free for you or whatever. So you're able to just kind of like start to pick and choose things that you can do. Um, so the, like for me, I probably end up doing this at least once every two weeks is just do this brain dump of just be like every single thing that is occupying my attention, I'm trying to capture it. Um, it doesn't matter whether it's important or stupid. And it, this is one of those things where your brain makes these connections that are, like, fantastic. So I actually did this last night because because um, what happens is, like, your brain does this awesome thing. It thinks of critical things when you can't do anything about them. So, like, you're dr- driving, right? And all of a sudden, your brain goes, the Internet bill is late. You're like, oh, shit. It is late. And you can't do anything about that. That is the most useless information in the world other than causing anxiety. It doesn't help you at any point. And unless you are terribly irresponsible, you don't, while you're driving, be like, well, better pay the internet or whatever. You know what I mean? And you Don't go and be like, let's make a note of that. Like, let write down. You could, right? But you could cause a car accident and then you have a new set of stresses. So it constantly feeds you information when you can't use it. And then it causes stress. And then your brain doesn't trust that you're going to handle what it's telling you. So it keeps telling you about it, but always at the worst moment possible. So this was like the list I made last night of, like, of stuff. And I was like, all right, I got to drop off my laundry. I got to deposit these checks. because There's actually two checks now, because there's like a second check from the, same, from the school on the kitchen table. So now we're like a month's worth of money. just Nothing happening with it. Uh, I got to email the landlord about the sink. Because like the sink is like, it's not dripping, it's like pouring water, but I don't like dealing with the landlord. So I've been putting it off, but it's actually the sink, the shower, there's something else broken too. There's all these broken things, but I, like, I hate dealing with them. But at this point, it's out of control. Uh, you would think I lived in like I had a slumlord, but they'll come and fix it, I just don't want to deal with them. And I'm too lazy to make the phone call, because my brain is like, ah, uh, phone calls, uh-uh. <laughs> I got to bring the dog for a nail trim. This will take 10 minutes. I've been putting it off because I hate dealing with it, and I secretly want the dog just to die of old age. <laughs> Schedule a day. So as I'm doing this, things are popping into my head of like other annoying things I have to do around the house. So like I need to buy a new bed for my daughter. She basically is five. She still sleeps in a crib with the side open still. It's like out of control. She needs like an actual bed like a human being, like one with edges where you tuck in sheets. So like that's what's going on. Um, and i like, okay, what, what are the immediate things I have going on? I have graphic design class today. What do we need to do? And I outline the InDesign topics because we're going to learn InDesign today. I need to write an assignment brief because I know what we're doing, but I haven't written it down. And once I write it down, I'm going to discover a bunch of things I didn't realize about it that like, oh, that's, that doesn't make any sense to anyone. Um, I actually need to outline the illustrator topics for tomorrow. Because all of these things will mean I will do a better presentation. And then I need to find some slides for what we're going to talk about tomorrow. I knew I had to do all these things, but they've just been banging around in my brain unproductively. And then that leads to like, okay, I have another class on Thursday night. What do I need to do for that? And then, oh, shit, I think we have to design a newspaper this week. I better talk to Tiffany, the designer that's going to work on it, to see if she knows that we're, that's what we're doing this week. And then that reminds me that we're designing a website for the same people. I promised them an email on Saturday that I was going to tell us like, what our next steps were. And again, I talked to them at work. Totally unproductive time to be talking to other people about work stuff when I can't help them in any way. And then it's like, okay, intro to typography. I've got to edit this lecture I have next week. Ideation and process. I need a detailed outline for Thursday. I know generally what we're doing, but I don't actually know. And the easiest way to tank a class is for me to roll in and be like, what are we going to do today? Let me think about this. I've done that before. It's not a good look. Uh, let's see. And then I need to preview existing process decks to find a suitable talk. So do I have like, things that I've made for clients that show our process that I could just use here that might be helpful because they're real? And then I'm like, oh, I gotta, I gotta send a check to John. Shit, I gotta send a check to Tiffany. That just reminded me that I also have to send a check to the internet people. Um, And then I gotta tell Kim, my wife, that we're going to an art opening here on Saturday because I forgot about that too. Um, And I only remembered that because the postcard was sitting next to me while I was doing this. And then it's like, there's this. All of a sudden, this book I haven't done any work on. I haven't done a thing on it. It pops in my head. Oh shit, new skateboard graphics too. I need to start emailing people to like start gathering content for it. And then it's like. Oh, I just I remembered I was gonna record this and make a video and that reminded me of the other videos that I still need to edit um, I know the whole time none of this is a surprise but like if I'm not capturing it repeatedly like some of this stuff is on other lists like the stuff about new skateboard graphics too but I, my brain is like dude I don't trust you you need to put it on another list so what's great is everything reminds you of something else and then once, I ha- once you start to have everything, like this is a pretty comprehensive list. I'm sure I could think of a thousand more things. But it's comprehensive enough that one thing that was awesome is like, I worked till one in the morning. But when I went to bed, I just fell right asleep. My brain did not go, dude, get up. You're going to forget about that thing for your class tomorrow. Like, get up and write that check. It was like, you've recorded this stuff. You've actually recorded it in a fashion where you're going to talk about it in front of a room full of people, all your embarrassing faults. Uh, I trust actually that some good may come out of this. Okay, so that's like number one, brain dumps. Whenever you feel anxiety, just write down everything you have to do. Okay, two, get it in writing. So, that comes back to this thing. When you have an idea for something, write it down immediately. Don't trust your brain to record the thing, like it's not its job. It's basically a processor. You feed data into it. Check weird quote, beauty is embarrassing by Wayne White. I don't know what I'll do with that. Diagram. You know, you capture things. Later, you, like, have these records of it. You feed information to your brain that's visual in front of you, and then your brain starts putting the connections together. That's, like, the most basic elements of creativity. Um, There's, like, a reason why stupid things like these are, like, a multi-million dollar business or field notes, notebooks, or whatever. Uh, It's not because it's, like, You know, I don't feel cool pulling out a notebook all the time, especially now that it's like trendy. Like it's like goofy to like sit down at a restaurant. I dump my pockets of all the shit that I have in it, and I got my fancy notebook. But these things are lifesavers. So just write everything down, or have some method to capture it. I think like the best thing is you write it down, and then you have like a centralized place that you then put all that information. So like whether that's like something like Evernote or Google Docs or whatever, but then you now have a spot to review that stuff. Uh, I highly recommend a book called Getting Things Done that is um, a critical book for, like, um, even though we physically make things a lot, we're basically, like, knowledge workers, meaning, like, we have to keep track of ideas and we have to do things with those ideas. And GTD is all about, like, How do you define a project and then how do you handle it and how do you determine what needs to be done? And how do you get your brain to let you do that rather than freaking out about the other stuff that it needs to do? Uh, Three, train your idea muscle. So, this is an idea. I feel like I kind of do this anyway, but it's an idea I got from the author James Altucher. So, one of those things where people are like, Like, I have a reputation as someone who can come up with ideas. None of them are, like, amazing or fancy or special. It's just that it's consistent. Um, And it's only consistent because, like, I'll go into a meeting. I can't do it, like, in meetings. Like, brainstorming sessions are the devil. But if somebody in a meeting hands me a sheet of paper and says, we need to accomplish this, I can go away and just start making lists, little diagrams, researching, and figuring out a bunch of ideas. And I can come back and say here's 10 things related to what you asked me to do, and here's an additional 20 things I was thinking might be interesting or might be helpful or might be relevant. And people are like, holy shit, how did you do that? And it's like, well, one, I do this every day. Like, most days, I make a list of 10 things I could do. Like, 10 projects I could do. Some days, I'll write down the uh, the names of 10 of my friends and just think, what could I do to help them professionally? Like, could I send an email with a few images of Dan Black's work to Habitat Skateboards because I think they'd be a good fit and I know they're my friends or like what could I do to help my friend John get more freelance work and I will do that and part it, it doesn't matter if I do that stuff or not like the goal like it would be awesome I should totally help all my friends get money and whatever else they want but um But the point is that, like, I'm constantly pushing my brain to come up with ideas on a routine basis. Like, even when I plan a class like this, I will, like, just, the first step is, like, list. Like, what could we talk about? What could we talk about? What could we talk about? You write every single thing down, and most of it sucks. Most of it is like not a good idea because like most ideas are not good ideas. But then there's like four things, and you're like, well, that's interesting, and that reminds me of that. How does this fit into a sequence of six classes? And then all of a sudden, you have a plan. Um, but I don't believe that you sit around waiting for a reason to have ideas. You come up with ideas when you don't need them so that when you do need them, your brain is like a machine when it comes to, to ideas, that it's like a muscle that you flex, and all of a sudden it starts coming up with good ideas on demand if you just give it the right input and the right kind of situation to work with. And it's the same with art. Like um, the, the most disastrous thing you can do with art is to not work until you have an idea. So like I know people that are like, um, like photographers who they don't shoot every day. Instead, they do these projects and like a project ends and they just sort of wait for the next project. And because they wait, there's pressure now and they have to think about like, is this project worth doing? Because it's going to take a lot of effort once I the brain starts like cheating them like, oh, is this a good idea? And they start like overthinking it. And so then they like, then they go like, okay, I got to try that project. And they start it and it doesn't go anywhere. So they got to come up with another idea for another project. That's a terrible way to work. You should work. Now, you're in school, you have other shit going on, I get it. But in general, at whatever the thing is that supposedly matters to you graphic design, painting, photography, sculpture, mixed media, film, whatever it is you should be doing it basically daily. If you can't do it daily, you should have a set schedule of when you're working on that stuff. Uh, So it's like, you know, between school and whatever else you do, it's like I got Monday evening, Thursday evening, Sunday afternoon. I've only got an hour and a half in each of those, but I only do this work at that time. I do it whether I feel like it. I do it whether I feel inspired. Um, all of that stuff. The best lesson that you can learn is that actual like functioning creative people don't get inspired, like. It, it's, it's just not how it works. You will never meet someone with like a rich artistic practice that has to wait for inspiration and be like, ah, I am ready to make a body of work. I will walk into my studio. It's like, no, you got to do all that stuff every single day. It's like if you've ever watched like, um, like an athlete that retires and comes back and they don't move the same anymore. Uh, For me, like if I follow skateboarding, so you will see people that like stop skateboarding or they can't skateboard as much. They were professional skateboarders, they gotta retire and they gotta go get like a real job. So, like, they film a new video part and they're stiff. They can still do all the tricks, but they're stiff as shit because those muscles, like, they get old and they don't wanna do what they're able to do anymore. But you'll see someone else, like uh, Eric Coston, I think, or Jamie Thomas, they're like 42 and they can still jump down 14 stairs because they never stopped. I'm not saying these are like good things to do, but the stiffness isn't there. That applies to creative stuff. Like if you don't do it every day, you get stiff and you fall off. And one of the myths of creative work is that this is supposed to be a sort of fun lifestyle. And that's actually bullshit. That's like not what we're doing here. Like we're not meant to be like having fun. We're like, we have this thing that we're driven to do, right? Like you feel compelled to create. You can't come up with some logical reason for why you need to do that. You need to do it. If you don't do it, you rot inside. That's what happens. Like, like quit doing the stuff that you feel compelled to do because like somebody pressures you to, and find out what it is like to be an unbelievably sad adult. It's like it's the story of most adults. They abandon these things that we're compelled to do. I swear, like I could predict what you're supposed to do based on what you were interested in at 12 years old. Like that's how it works. We don't, we don't forget to shit that we're like meant to be doing. Uh, we it festers and basically turns cancerous. So, you got to train your idea muscle. It's the same thing, and you got to work every day. And you want to be able to work if you have ideas. Oh, it's a lot easier to work when you have ideas uh, rather than waiting for them. Uh, and the simplest way to do this is like you got a notebook just every day a list of 10 things that you could do um, It totally doesn't matter, but it's like, what are 10 projects I could do? The, you initially start out with like, what are the 10 projects that have been banging around in your brain, not captured anywhere that you always think like, oh, that would be a dope project, but you think of it at the weirdest time that you can't do anything about it. You know what I mean? like you're in math class and you're like, oh, that would be a sick painting. I'll remember that, and you never will, okay? So, like, first things first is you get all of those existing ideas down. Okay. This is a counterintuitive one. Talk. Uh, this is So, we are trained to be exceedingly polite, and to listen at all times, and to let everyone else talk first. Um, there is totally value to that, but what I've discovered is that talking makes you a better thinker. Uh, so, for example, teachers, like at art school, were always, like, hardcore on talking. Like, you got to talk about the work. you got to critique other people's work. You need to talk, talk, talk. And it's because the kind of people that become teachers we like to talk, and we like to talk about work. But part of the reason we get to be teachers is we learned a shitload from all the talking. Uh, so I'm sitting here. I hope you're not bored. You seem awake, so yay. But I've been talking for 40 minutes now. Actually if we go back to the syllabus, I'm on, we're pushing an hour, okay? I didn't rehearse any of this. I made a couple slides because I need triggers for my brain so my brain knew what to talk about. And then, based on all the shit that I know, I'm able to come up with ideas, and more ideas come up. This is a natural output from being the first person to talk during every critique. Like That's what it was. I was like lucky enough to go to a school with a group of people where we fought to be the first person to talk during every critique. And I am 100%. An introvert I walked in this class I was nervous like I I probably still have the shakes but it's just because I don't have enough caffeine in me yet but like when I walked in my stomach hurt I was like kind of like jittery uh, and um but I don't come in and be like holy shit I'm nervous I do not want to do this but because I know it's gonna fade but I also know like I'm confident that I know what I'm gonna be talking about because I've been talking about it for seven years in class I'm confident that once my brain starts putting this shit into motion, I'm going to make sense, and I'm going to say things that make sense, and I trust myself to say the right things. Or maybe, because I talk about cults too much, so it's not entirely true. But this is a direct result of talking. The talking is just like an idea muscle. How your critiques over the next three weeks should work is you guys are fighting to talk, and your teacher has to shut the conversation down. It's taking too long listening to all of you talk. That's the ideal situation. Um, and if you are naturally uh, introverted, you can start to train yourself to extrovert when you need to. Um, so that, at least in a certain context, you're comfortable with talking. So for example, for me, if I walk into a party, as like like, let's say someone from work invites me to a party but I don't really know anyone and I haven't worked there very long I'm gonna be super uncomfortable if I like amp myself up enough and immediately start talking to people I might be able to push that aside and get kind of comfortable with the situation and start talking to people but in general I will probably talk to a couple people I know and then try to leave as quickly as possible because like My weird form of like introversion and insecurity is that I feel like I'm imposing on other people. When I walk in here, I know that you're expecting me to talk. The expectations are 100% this dude is supposed to talk about stuff and he's supposed to give us assignments. That is his job. If he comes in and doesn't talk, that's going to be super weird. If he comes in and doesn't give me advice, doesn't give me critique, doesn't give me feedback, doesn't make eye contact, all that shit... That is going to be a horrible class and everyone's going to be like, I don't know, that guy's a creep. I did not like that class, right? So you actually, like, want me to talk. It took me so long to realize that that's, like, what a class is about, like, that my job is to come in here and talk. Um, So when you're in critique, you're supposed to talk. Where I am expecting you to talk, other people are expecting you to talk, and the people that actually talk a lot, the people that are sort of maybe either they already get that their introversion needs to switch in that context or they're naturally extroverted. Those people want you to talk too. We all want you to talk. We all expect you to talk. So like part of the thing is switching your frame of mind when you walk into a critique. And here's the thing. The reason I'm harping on this is I was in the room when you guys introduced yourself. I know that roughly 80% of you are pretty um, introverted or at least in that context where you had to stand up you were very like, this is super awkward. But, and I agree, it is awkward. I felt very bad for you. But, uh, on the other hand, a couple of people were like, okay, the expectation is I'm going to stand up, I'm going to take in all this attention for a minute, and I'm going to like be comfortable with it. Most of us aren't comfortable with it, but you can learn to handle that sort of stuff. You can learn to see a situation and go, what's the expectation of me? And then switch how you're working in it. Okay? So, talk, talk so much, do stupid shit, like, stuff that you would never, you're not encouraged, like, you know how, like, in school, you're not encouraged to raise your hand and then try to think of an answer? Do that in critique. Be like, I think, and immediately try to come up with something to say. Because here's the thing, in a critique, your opinion totally doesn't matter. If other people give a shit about your opinion, they're deluded. They should not care about your opinion. They don't know you. They don't know if your work is any good. You should barely care about my opinion. You don't know me. I'm a moron, right? Everything in my house is broken, and I won't call the landlord. Like, what? Like, I'm I'm a total dumbass, okay? So, on the other hand, I guess I know some stuff about graphic design or whatever, or ideas. Let's get some coffee. So, what happens, though, is the people that talk a lot... Have to start making connections quickly because if you hide during critiques your brain doesn't have to think about the work it's not forced to and therefore it won't it might be like i like that but it's actually going to be more concerned with i hope he doesn't start doing that thing where they start calling on the people that are quiet because that's like what that you'll discover that's what we start to do is we'll be like i haven't heard from you in the back and the other thing that happens because of that is that we naturally give more attention to the people that we engage with more. You'll totally see this over the next couple of weeks. There'll be someone who maybe doesn't need as much feedback cuz their work is kind of consistently solid, but because they're always talking, the teacher, that person makes the teacher feel comfortable, and that person gets more feedback and more attention. And it's not like um it's not like the teacher sitting around thinking, I'm talking to you, I'm not talking to you, I'm talking to you, I'm not talking to you. It's just this natural thing that happens where all of a sudden you realize this person's actually dominating my time because they make me feel so comfortable talking to them. It's supernatural, we're becoming friends. And who do you talk to the most? Your friends. Who do you not talk to? Strangers. So start talking a lot. Do whatever it takes to convince yourself. Like Stand right up front during critiques so that you know you're gonna get called on and then force yourself to have an opinion. And I, I know it sounds silly, but like, just assume your opinion in a critique just doesn't matter. It really doesn't. No one should change their work because you have an opinion, right? They shouldn't rewrite and redirect and re-release Iron Sky because I don't like the acting. If other people like it, good. It's their thing. It's for them. It's not for me. Fine. Um, I shouldn't... Like, if I put up a piece of my work... Or right, here's a good one. Unless this is hurting someone's eyes to the point of a seizure... I don't care about your opinion on the typeface or the color or the size of the font. If you unanimously hate it, I might rethink it since I have to deal with you for six weeks. But if one or two of you don't like it, I totally don't care. Not my problem, all right? Just listen to me talk and ignore the slides. So your opinion, it totally doesn't matter. But it's super critical to one person, you. Your opinion is super important to you. And the more that you share it, the better you are at understanding your own work. That's the advantage of critique. That's like the whole reason critiques are important, is because you look at other people's work, you break down what's good, what's bad, you break down what you might do differently, even if you're not going to share that, and then when you come back to your own work, suddenly you know more than you knew 10 minutes before. That's like the real power of critique. So a couple of things. If you have nothing, so critique sounds like you're supposed to say something bad. If you have nothing bad to say, like, let's say someone's work is amazing. This is like an art school problem. Beautiful work. All you can think is, holy shit, that's so good. You figure out why it's good and be like, why do you think it's good? Like, I'm super interested in what's happening here. I think because it's doing this and this, it's visually awesome, or I love that idea. You don't have to be critical. It's great if you can be critical, because that'll push you even further. But if you can use like some awesome person's work as, a, as basically teaching yourself how to make better work, that's what you should be doing. Approach critique as if it's for your own personal benefit, no matter what's on the wall. Don't zone out on critique because we're not talking about your stuff. Instead, make it that you're talking about other people's stuff to figure out your own stuff better. And then later, that also makes you a bit more of an idea machine. Oh, interesting. I thought I had five things. I think I had five, and then I changed it. Here's the fifth one. Read. Dear God, read as much as possible. Uh, Whenever you read about sort of top performing anything, artists, designers, musicians, CEOs, the one thing they all seem to have in common, there's a couple things. They seem to sleep a lot, with a few exceptions, and they read a lot. That is not an accident. And it's not like Bill Gates became the world's richest man and then said, Ah, I have all of this free time. I'm gonna read a shitload of books now. Or like Elon Musk, the, the Tesla founder. It's not like he was like, Ah, man, I'm worth billions. I'm gonna sit around and read. These are like incredibly busy people. But part of what helps them propel is that they read a lot. The reading, new sources of data, new things for your brain to make connections with. I can't count the number of times that, I can think of a few examples. Reading about leadership affects how I act in class. I'm not the leader of the class by any means, but I realized the few things that I did that then destroyed energy levels or confidence levels in the classes. Most people don't tell artists, oh yeah, read some books about leadership. You know what I mean? doesn't, like, make a lot of sense. I don't say, like, oh, read a bunch of books about marketing, but not for the marketing part, but for how you'll approach your work. So read a ton and read super widely. Um, Don't just feel like you need to read practical shit. Like, uh, don't 100% read only whatever romance novels or YA novels or Charles Manson stories. Mix it up. But... Be varied because you never know what kind of weird thing you're going to be able to grab from somewhere else. Like, I have stolen shit from Scientology to use in class, and I don't even I don't like Scientology, um, but I totally will like be like, oh, that's interesting, and then boom, steal it. You know, uh, my graphic design work changed dramatically from reading about um, how web apps were built. That has nothing to do with making posters on the surface, but my brain was like wait a second, what if I did that, but did it like this? So, if you just do these, like, few things. One, if you have any anxiety, do a brain dump. Two, start carrying a notebook with you and write down stuff, even shit that doesn't seem important. Just, like, if you notice something remotely interesting, uh, the same kind of goes for, like, take a picture of anything that seems, like, remotely compelling. Like, for I'm a graphic designer, so it's, like, this blue door with weird type on it. Like, holy shit, that type is weird, boom. it capture it. Don't go like, next time I drive by that, I'll do it. Then, make a list, like every day, make a list. Talk every chance that you get. Um, Psych yourself up, do whatever you have to do. Um, Make it so that you don't need to do weird stuff like drink to talk, you know, like that's what a lot of people have to do to feel comfortable to talk, is like they gotta like get uh, inebriated. you know, because that would be illegal. Um, or, like, don't become one of those people who has to do coke to talk and then be really annoying on top of that. Um, and then and read as much as you possibly can. Like, sacrifice whatever you can do to read. Like, have a book in your bag at all times and just, like, carve out time to read. Uh, the other weird thing about reading is, like, it's one of these weird uh, social of cues where people see that you like always have a book in your bag or you're always reading, they treat you differently. It's like uh, these studies about how um, uh, like at offices, these are, these are cognitive biases. A really classic one is that people who go to the gym make more money than people who are visibly obese because the people who write the checks have a cognitive bias that this person has it together and they must do more work every day even though probably the exact opposite might be true the person who's getting fat because they're killing themselves sitting at a desk all day for you, doing work for you is actually the one who's working harder and maybe deserves more money but we do dumb shit every day where we like judge situations poorly, you know like the, um, the weight staff impressed by the pen, like oh you brought a pen like, yes I did What's your phone number? No. Um, so it's like these dumb cognitive biases, but it might be helpful to be aware of the cognitive biases and use them to your advantage. You know, carry a book around. You know, look smart. Okay. So that is my spiel. Are there any questions?